Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Today is October 17th when we're recording this. And if you're aware of astrological seasons, then maybe you've listened to the episode with Deborah and wanted to dabble in some of the cosmic magic of the stars. But this past Saturday was the solar eclipse. So that was a new moon, I believe, in Libra. And I believe the theme of this eclipse was all about oppositions. Mm. And so I could feel that so intensely. And to be honest, and I know I talked about it with you too, but no one last week was not going through it. I feel like everyone is going through something either heavy or just really sticky. I don't feel like anyone right now. I mean, maybe there are people out there, but people in my life, at least no one's smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah, no one's smooth sailing. I actually talked to quite a few clients last week and friends and obviously having my own stuff that I was going through. It just felt like even if you weren't able to identify what was going on within your psyche internally, there just felt like this internal war. That's how I felt. I felt like there were parts of myself warring with each other. And I find it really interesting that what was being mirrored in the reality was literally a war mm -hmm. as well. I mean, we saw the news. Everyone saw the news. We are all emotions running high and not knowing how to react. You know, what information is true? You know, what should I think about this? Mm -hmm. And I just want to normalize for everyone that if that's the sort of cycle that you were in with the news and bopping back and forth and being on social media... That's super tiring for your nervous system. You know, Gina, you mentioned something about how when you saw a really terrifying like headline and how your body didn't get to fully process that. Yeah, I find it such an interesting thing. We talked about this yesterday about how none of this is natural. Like even the way that we consume information, consume news, mm -hmm. the way that we all talk about it, the divisiveness and how everyone is arguing online. Somebody posts one thing and, you know, everybody tears them down. Like all of this is not natural in the way that we're consuming this information. And yeah, when we have a stimulus, something outside of us that is alarming, you know, in our mm -hmm. real life, normally we get a chance to go through the entire arc of it. For example, I don't know if somebody scares me by accident and I'm like, oh, ah, and then I turn around <laughs> and see, oh, it's just you. My body can then see that I'm safe and it can relax. When you're seeing something like a headline in the news, you don't get to have that, right? You just get this yeah. alarming piece of news. You're seeing very disturbing images and videos and then you just scroll to the next post. Like there is no mm -hmm. time to really allow that to process through our bodies and to kind of, yeah, recover from it. We just kind of keep getting hit after one thing after another. It essentially feels like consistent rupture with no repair. Yes. Right? And that's what we suffer from in our relationships, right? Where we continuously experience these moments of conflict or, yeah, just not being able to see eye to eye and then we never repair it. And so I'm finding that that's what I'm seeing online too, is like there's lots of rupture, 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 yeah. comment battle, comment battle. and then there's no resolution, meaning that it's not that they need to get each other to see each other's sides, but there needs to be some sort of emotional resolution. Yeah. Like, okay, like I understand that that person thinks that and I'm thinking this based on what information they have and based on what information I have. Maybe that's why we share these opinions. But I'm finding that we're not getting to that emotional resolve. Mm -hmm. And so we're all just feeling super hypersensitive. Like, yeah. I mean, I can see it online. Like one person says something that's like really not that offensive at all and someone just freaks out. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, what? Where did that come from? So I think that it's safe to say that this past week, everyone has been feeling a lot of emotions and we're not going to resolve them through looking at the news and social media. Yeah, I think we can all agree that there is a collective dysregulation that perpetuates more dysregulation amongst, you know, whatever community that you're in, your friends, um, based on what they're seeing. Everyone just feels like, I feel like I can see everyone's energy just like... It's like static. It's static and it feels like it's frying. Um, and I don't know that everybody has the tools to 
to cope at the end of the day. And I think it makes sense why so many of us are really struggling to know what to do, what to say. Um, because on top of the collective suffering and collective dysregulation, we have our own, right? Which is yeah, being amplified. Our lives didn't stop. Yeah. And it's all being amplified by the collective energy. And that's what I've been definitely experiencing. And sometimes, I mean, I feel like I, I'm, I'm better now. I feel like this past week has been... I think the word I used was unbearably heavy. It just felt mm-hmm. like it was too much. And I realized it's because it is too much. Yeah. Right. The body's not supposed to be processing both your own individual suffering wrapped up with a collective suffering, but it's really hard to extricate these because we don't exist in a vacuum. Exactly. Right. We we do experience the energies of other people. And I think it's important to know, like in each moment, you know, what currently am I holding or carrying that's mine? And what energy am I carrying that is not mine, Mm -hmm. right? What energy have I picked up and how can I put that down? And I'm finding that there's, at least for me, there's been this cycle of trying to basically resolve how I feel through more information. Um, I think I talked about this even with Deborah on the podcast because of my chart and the Gemini and me and my big three. It's like whenever I feel a bit confused or uncertain or even that heaviness that you talked about, Mm -hmm. instead of learning how to be with that and regulate that within my own body, I'm like, oh, I should like learn more about this. Right. And in terms of the war that's going on, that's the same pattern that I repeated there too, right? I felt this disturbance and this like alertness that happened within my body. And then I'm sure most people can identify with this or recognize themselves in this. But instead of being like, whoa, that was really really alarming to my nervous system and did not make me feel good. I need to take a break. There was almost like this weird temptation to like go in further. Yeah, keep You're going. like, yes, keep going. And you know, I'm doing that. And then there's like probably, I don't know, like thousands of people, millions potentially doing that right now, looking at the news. And so mm-hmm. I can just feel that energy. And I was blaming myself a lot last week for how I felt, which is what I always do. I think we're very used to that. But then I was like, wait, I don't think this is even all me, right? I'm feeling the collective suffering and energy of people who I can't even see right now or know or identify. I think that I'm a part of that. You know, if I really believe in this principle of oneness, Mm -hmm. then no wonder I feel so heavy. There's a lot of heaviness in the world. And so I had to eventually forgive myself for just how down I felt instead of blaming me, I kind of started going down that route of, oh, maybe I'm not working out enough. And like, Mm. maybe I need more vegetables. (laughs) And it's like, those can be potentially true. But I think that I needed to really be inclusive of the fact that I am a part of this collective consciousness that's being impacted right now by pain and suffering. And so, of course, I'm going to feel something. Also, I think there's a lot of collective confusion. And I feel like that's been pretty heavy, uh, at least in my vortex of people that I've been talking to, just people feeling confused on just a lot of things. I think a lot of split energy as well. And I think it can be confusing for any one who really identifies as being empathic, right? Like I, I definitely would consider myself to be a pretty deep empath. And what can happen is I just really put myself in other people's shoes a lot. And so mm-hmm. instead of dealing with my own pain, I start to deal with everyone else's. Like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine being in that situation. Oh my gosh, imagine if that were me. Oh my goodness, imagine if that was my daughter. And I feel it like it's mine. I mean, obviously I can't feel it to the full extent, but in my nervous system, that's what starts to get activated. And I think over this past week, something that I really learned was kind of what you said of putting down what's not mine and not thinking that that's ignoring it or that's you being selfish. But really the best thing that we can do for us and everyone around us is to take care of ourselves, our energy, right? And when we, if we were all to do that, the entire collective energy would be able to lift. But when we're all bogged right. down by each other's, it's like we're all just carrying each other's stuff and not our own. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that that's probably oversimplified, but that is what I feel like I have really had to learn this past week so that I could cope. Because again, it is too much to carry everyone's suffering. That isn't what I'm built to be able to carry. I'm designed mm-hmm. to carry mine and to heal me and to be there for me and to support my own nervous system and kind of redirecting my focus back to myself has shifted a lot for me and given me more peace and also empowered Mm -hmm. me with more ideas of what I can do, right? Instead of just feeling helpless and hopeless. 
Yeah. And I think that I love that, Gina, but also we're just doubling the pain by stepping into someone's shoes. Exactly. Right? We're literally adding to it. Mm-hmm. And so I actually saw myself doing that as well. So when the news broke, I was kind of like, feeling this natural Western privilege guilt, which I think most people listening to this podcast can level with like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? This is terrible. How could this happen? But yet I'm sitting here on my couch and I'm fine. Yeah. And so then we do the thing of putting ourselves in their shoes, amplifying the frequency of the pain and the suffering. And then we'll add on like, you know, few layers of guilt because we're like, oh, like, I can't believe like I'm going about my life. Like I feel kind of guilty for like continuing to move forward. And, you know, my response to myself and a few people who asked me about that was, what's the alternative, right? Are we all just going to go into a painful abyss and take on this collective suffering? Or like you said, Gina, can we put down what's not ours, mind to our own energy, really, really self-preservation, right? so that we can balance this out and actually be able to arm ourselves with knowledge and take action at the end of the day. Because what I found that when I sort of layered on that pain and that guilt, it just left me in a state of paralysis. Like I'm not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. I'm just feeling shit. And I'm like miles away from other people who are feeling terrible. And I just realized this is not serving me. Mm. And although it felt almost kind of good to my ego, right? Because the ego is like, well, if they're suffering, then like you should suffer too to like even out the playing field or something like that. What I've realized about this comparative suffering, which has been a theme between you and I, it doesn't actually end or alleviate suffering. It creates more. It just creates more. And so it's funny because even before any of the news broke, you know, I tend to do that between you and I, like I said, you know, I'll come to you (laughs) with a voice note Or I'll call you and I'll, you know, I'll express something that's heavy for me. And then you'll say something that I judge to be heavier than mine. And then I'm like, oh shit, like (laughs) I shouldn't have said that. Like I'm a piece of crap because I like brought up this stupid thing. And you're like, no, like that's still, that's still heavy. And the example I came up with this in my head, I was using the bathroom the other day and I was like, oh, that actually works. It would be like me telling someone I have a virus or something and then them being like, well, I have cancer. Yeah. And I'd be like, but now we're just both sick. Like, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't actually render my suffering and sickness obsolete. We're both in pain. Absolutely. I mean, how do you compare if somebody gets hit by a car or I like snap my arm in half? We're both hurting. Like you said, I mean, it's not a contest, but we kind of make it one when we think, oh, like I shouldn't complain because she has it harder or Ooh, like my yeah. life again, like the, with the privilege that, you know, every day right now I am waking up and just looking at Emily and being like, well, we are so privileged that she just gets to go to school and not have to worry about being bombed or being attacked. Like that's it. It is hard. It's like that survivor's guilt. Right. Um, mm. But that doesn't negate the pain that my daughter is experiencing at school when she does has a hard day or you know, the pain that I might experience uh, with my own grief that I'm dealing with, with my mother-in-law passing away, it doesn't negate that. It doesn't take it away. I think it's more just about being aware that yes, this other suffering exists in addition to mine. It's not, it doesn't dampen or dilute what your experience is. Even if what you're experiencing is literally just watching and witnessing the pain that's going on and that's painful for you, like that matters too. And you count and you get to be seen in that experience. And I think right now there's a lot of guilt being thrown around for what you're doing or you're not doing about this. You know, you should be speaking up and history is going to remember you if you don't say this and if you don't stand up for people. And I think that just adds more suffering and shame because I think what we should all really be doing with ourselves is taking inventory of what can I do? What am I capable of doing right now? And maybe that's just avoiding the news and tending to your nervous system for now until you have the clarity and the peace to be able to take a different action. Maybe you're somebody Mm -hmm. that's super fired up and able to be, you know, protesting and doing all these things and being super vocal online. And that's capable for you. But I don't think even that should be compared of, well, that person's saying a lot, so I should be too. I think comparison all around um, in this landscape kind of needs to disappear. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding a lot of this, like, <laughs> this is happening a lot on social media too. It's almost like, it's like the activism Olympics all of a sudden. hundred percent. It's like, how quickly can I position myself as an activist online? It's like, 
girl, like you didn't post a single thing about activism till like two days ago. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. And that's fine too, yeah. right? Like I think even for myself, like you come to awareness of things at different times and your journey can start whenever it starts and that's fine. But I just felt this energy online of a lot of um, shaming of other people. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, why are we causing a different fight? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we're, there's already one really horrible one going on for us to continue to create more conflict either between others or between our own selves is just not helping. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't engage in any of that kind of stuff online, although I kind of witnessed some and then kind of backed off. But, you know, even the steps I took to take care of my own self. So for example, I went to therapy last week mm -hmm. and I kind of felt like really bad that I was in therapy because I was like, I feel like me being in therapy is like, tone deaf or something like that. Like right. I had a lot of internalized judgment against myself for, yeah, being able to have access to self-care and resources, right? But if I've learned anything over the past year, especially I was part of the uh, Mental Health Creator Summit. And what we learned there was it is your duty to take advantage of resources that you have access to so that mm. you can be a healthier person, so that you can contribute to a healthier nation. And something that I had to tell myself in order to kind of get out of this guilt-shame spiral was that, well, what's interesting is that when I feel this down and when I feel this immobilized, notice that I, I'm not really helpful to other people. You know, I wasn't as engaged online with my content. We had taken a like short-ish break on recording. And I thought, wow, this really creates a ripple effect. If I don't take care of me, then I don't really become a helpful beacon of truth, light, or anything healing at all. Like I need to heal myself. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it was a really beautiful reminder that taking care of me is taking care of the collective. I'm literally a part of it. Yes. And again, if we do believe in that we all are connected, then it is our greatest duty and contribution to take care of ourselves because no one else is going to do that. No one else can do that. We're the only yeah. ones that can do that job. And so let's do that with love and compassion. And I think when we, if we were to apply this belief that, okay, if they're suffering more than I shouldn't complain, I mean, where does that end? Because there's always somebody that's suffering even more than that. So then does that mean only right. the people that are suffering the most in the entire world, only they get to be taken care of? Then what happens to the rest of the 99% of the world. Like we all just continue to suffer and crumble. Like that doesn't make sense either. And so, you know, I think that these types of conversations, I think between you and I have definitely been helpful, helpful for me because there is just a lot to unpack, right? So I think even if all you can do is to talk to somebody who is you know, in the same vibration or same understanding as you. And like, that's just a safe space that you can share your thoughts and the feelings that you're having. Even if that's all you did, that would be so much more impactful than just staying suffering by yourself in silence and feeling guilty and shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that really this big theme of comparing suffering is just, it's becoming more prominent because I'm noticing it even in the microcosms of, of my life. Mm. Like for example, like in conversations with other friends or even my partner, it's like, I've noticed that conflict really can only be sustained if we continue to fight pain against pain. It's like, well, that happened to me. And so you have to say, sorry. And they're like, well, no, you did. And it's like, wow, it's so interesting that we're like, we really want to continue to carry this pain. And instead of releasing it or looking to or seeking to understand it so that we can alchemize it, we can change it, we can create that repair out of that rupture. I really don't want to fight anymore to be the victim. And it's hard because I have to learn how to see things from another perspective. And I'm seeing that with the news, it's like no one wants to see another perspective like yeah. at all. It's like I'm realizing too that this is going to sound kind of stupid, but history started so long before my life. I had this moment where I realized that my niece who's two years old. I was like, wow, she knows nothing that happened before she was born. Like, she's going to have to like learn all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I had this realization that what you learn in school is like kind of also not the full picture. Like you only learned, I don't even know, maybe like 10% of what actually happened. And so if you really want to know more about history and context, you'd have to kind of do your own research. Like mm -hmm. unless you went to university and decided to become a historian or something, like you're going to have to go out of your own way 
day. And so I don't know. Interestingly, last night I was, I found this video. This is so random now, but I found this video that was of a man who had created a poster that was called Timeline of Human History. Mm. And it was this huge poster that was like very intelligently divided into sections. Like each little marker represented like a hundred years or something down from the top to the bottom. And then it had these like vertical sections, which were like, okay, these are the parts of the world. And then it had width of the lines, which was like how important that empire or historical event was to current modern history. And like, anyways, I was looking at all this stuff and I was like, holy crap, like, I know this obviously as a logical fact, but it settled into my bones that so much has happened to lead up to this moment that honestly, to even argue about the facts of yesterday makes no sense. <laughs> like there's so there's so much context to what's going on. Yeah. And if we can understand that there's context that we don't understand, I think that would allow us to feel a lot more just connected to the situation. Like, mm. you know, like th- this thing that I know is not the only, th- these things don't happen in a vacuum essentially. Yeah. And I think that's what we talked about yesterday too. I think we talked about something that happens between our partners where we'll complain about a thing that like happened like today. And then it's so annoying when they're like, oh, but like, then there was this thing and that thing. And it's like, oh my God, like context, it, it, it helps and hurts. It's interesting. Like sometimes it's not helpful to think about how long things have been going on. Totally. And then sometimes it's actually very helpful to think about, you know, what's currently just happening right now. But mm. you have to use discernment in that situation. And life is confusing. Life is definitely confusing. It's so funny because even this comparative suffering shows up a lot in parenting, uh, funnily enough, because <sighs> it's very much like, well, when I was younger, like, I didn't get all this stuff. And I didn't have an iPad yes. when I was a kid. And I didn't get this and that. And it's so interesting because I know that most parents want to raise their kids in a better environment than they had. But it can be triggering for a parent to see that their child is experiencing a vastly different life than they had, having a lot more privileged opportunities. Um, I mean, even for me, sometimes I look at my mom and how nice she is to my daughter and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. What about me? Yeah. Like, what the heck? How come you tell her how much you love her and you're fine with her doing singing and dancing and I wasn't allowed to do any of that? Um, And it it can be triggering, but again, bringing that back to ourselves and understanding, hey, what's going on inside of me? What is triggering about that? And then tending to that instead of projecting that this isn't fair. And then I cause suffering on my mom for loving on my daughter more than I got. And then my daughter might feel guilty. And it just perpetuates Mm -hmm. more pain and suffering versus if I were just to tend to myself. So yeah. It's actually so crazy because it feels in the moment like it's going to actually alleviate the suffering mm-hmm. to compare it. Like that part of you that's like, what? Like you get that and like I don't. Mm-hmm. It feels like you need to say something about it or like do something about it to like make it right. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't do that. It's so ironic. I find that any part of me that wants to make it right, which is always the ego, literally just makes it worse. Yeah. And I, like you said, I need to take care of myself. And really, the only person that needs to see that pain is me. Like I need to see that like, oh wow, like that kind of, that kind of hurt. Like, but for me to not sit with that and then project it onto the other person and be like, well, you caused it. It's like, it just doesn't, it doesn't solve it. And I found myself doing that actually last week. I was thinking about the people who have caused my pain and who have like reignited my pain and all this stuff. And I was like, I need to see this pain mm-hmm. and make myself feel better. Like I can't, I'm not going to get it from another person. I mean, even if you did, it wouldn't even feel sufficient. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because all past week, all this past week when I felt really down, I definitely was like living with a lot of internalized self-judgment about it. And I don't think anyone around me, like I've been around my family this week, I don't think they were actually judging it, but I just felt it. And there was a couple of times where my dad was like, Sam, you're awesome or something like that. <laughs> he always like <laughs> says nice things about me. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, yeah, whatever. Like, there was like no part of me that was like, thanks, dad. I really felt that. <laughs> like, it's my state of being that needs to be shifted from my, from me. Like, he's not going to shift me. Well, the funny thing is, is that once you you do shift, you wouldn't even need that from your dad because you're, you're I know. <laughs> you would have already had it, right? That's what's so interesting. <laughs> and I mean, my suffering this past week, uh, we're going to be having somebody come on to talk about grief. Um, but my suffering this past week was 
deeply related to grief, which was amplified by the suffering and the grief that was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone losing their family members and um, all of these types of things. And my mother-in-law passed away almost a year ago. And this past weekend, we went to go scatter her ashes. And I mean, even that is so fucking weird. Can I just say, like the whole it's thing so is so weird that I don't even want to get into it because I don't want to be too graphic, <laughs> but it's just weird that we just had this it box is. of her ashes. So I kept saying, did you get your mom? Like, did you bring your mom? And <laughs> I was serious. I was like, don't forget your mom. Because I was, I had a nightmare that we forgot her ashes at home and we got there and we couldn't do it. And so anyways, it was, you know, something you can kind of laugh about because it is just weird. But anyways, when I started to think about her again, my suffering went to a level of unbearable, just heaviness. And what I discovered was that I I was continuing her suffering. So for anybody who doesn't know, my mother-in-law had multiple sclerosis and suffered for, I mean, almost three decades of just gradually deepening pain. Um, it really affects your um, your motor skills, like her writing, the way that her balance, all of these types yeah. of things. And, you know, she, yeah, made the choice um, because she got to a point where she couldn't continue anymore, but she made the choice to... Um, to pass away. We have a program here called MADE and it's medically assisted in death, medical assistance in death, something like that. And so that whole thing, right, to notice that someone would be suffering so bad that they're going to choose to leave their family, something about that for me was so painful because I can't imagine ever leaving my child and seeing the goodbye between her and my husband and my daughter, like that whole thing. And, you know, we'll double click into all of this in our episode with the grief person. But what I wanted to pinpoint was that what was causing so much of my suffering was tuning into her suffering, tuning into my husband's Mm -hmm. suffering, tuning into my daughter's suffering, looking at everybody's loss. And that was too much for me because again, it's like, that's not what my system is built to handle. I'm not meant to carry everybody else's grief and everybody else's suffering. And what really hit me was the knowing that she made a choice to end her suffering and now I'm choosing to continue it on her behalf. And Mm -hmm. something about that knowing for me was like, oh, oh my gosh, I can see what I'm doing there. And some part of that really gave me peace because I could almost hear her saying like, let me take that with me. Like, let me keep mine. And even with my husband, who's also grieving, you know, empowering him, even in my own mind, that he is strong enough to deal with what he has to deal with. Even my daughter at eight, she also has equipment within her to deal with her level of suffering and pain. And so when I was able to almost like take things off of my shelf and put them back onto the people's other shelves that where it really did belong, it was so much more bearable for me to handle my stuff. Like I just was able to finally access the peace again. And I don't know, I just hope that helps someone out there because I think there is guilt sometimes again in letting go of somebody else's suffering. Because I'm like, no, like I'll carry it. I, I don't want them to carry it. Like, let me do that. But again, like we keep saying, me carrying her pain, my husband's pain, my daughter's pain doesn't take away their pain. <laughs> it just adds to mine. Yeah, I think that's pretty epic to realize because we naturally feel like it's not that we don't want to empathize. Of we can course. we can right, we can do that without taking on someone's pain, but it is almost like this false egoic belief that by taking it on, I'm helping them somehow. Yeah. But we don't take it away from them at all. It it stays with them and then just gets transferred, you know, onto ourselves mm-hmm. and then then we're like less equipped to be able to help that person. And um, I actually did coach a client this past week about some health anxiety stuff that was going on in her family. And, you know, because she was basically taking on all of their anxiety, she wasn't really able to be a person who could be a pillar of support, mm. right, during that time. And so what we talked through was, you know, how to leave that pain um, in in their and basically like in their domain, right? It's like, not that you don't want to take it away, but realizing that you can't, right? Taking care of your own energy energy so that you can then go back and be this pillar of support to the person, which would then actually alleviate their pain. Mm. Um, So it feels like the selfish thing to do initially is what actually ends up transforming and becoming more selfless. So taking care of ourselves feels like, oh my gosh, like how could I take care of myself when like, 
she's hurting so much or like they're hurting so much. But it's like when I do that, when I self-preserve, then I can actually go back into these relationships or communities and offer myself and my energy and be more helpful. Yeah. I mean, I always use physical examples for emotional things, but you know, if you break your leg and I'm like, oh my gosh, that must be so hard for Sam. I'm going to break mine. <laughs> and then I snap so my She leg. knows, I understand. Yeah, because I yeah. need to suffer along with her. Now I can't even help Sam because I'm limping too, right? Versus, okay, Sam's hurting. What can I do to help Sam that's in my capacity that doesn't have to cause pain on, on myself? Um, yeah, because I think for me, it's definitely this thought in that moment of thinking that if I suffer too, that not that necessarily not necessarily that I'm helping them, but it feels like if I don't suffer, I'm definitely not helping them. It kind of feels like you're bad. Yeah, and yeah. I really like the physical parallel because we know that when someone breaks their leg, there is no moral obligation to do the same exactly. thing. Exactly, it's like oh, that really sucks that that happens to you. And that looks painful. And I know that it is painful. I would not want to experience that. And also the other person whose leg is broken does not necessarily want to project that you experience that too. Mm -hmm. They're like, this sucks. Like, don't break your leg. Like, be careful, right? (laughs) But it's so ironic that in the emotional realm, that is sort of the weird expectation. It's an invisible expectation that like, oh, like I'm suffering. Like, you should relate to me, Mm. right? And- I do think we sometimes get like snub-nosed almost if like we don't level with them on that way. Mm. And I think that's like a weird line that we have to be, I don't know, just conscious of. Like, how do I empathize without taking on the energy, right? Like, how do I really do that? Um, And that's a really nuanced thing. There's not going to be like clear steps to making that happen. It's just going to be something you have to observe within your own body. Like, are you starting to feel the heaviness? Okay, become aware and release that. But you know, with the physical example, I love that, Gina, because there is literally no expectation to create the same pain. Like, but with the emotionality, there there is. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess there is kind of a, I don't know, maybe it's that misery loves company thing of I want someone mm. to feel this too so that I feel seen. Maybe that's what it is. I want someone to understand how bad this hurts. And I guess we do do that with the physical thing because if I broke my leg, maybe I would do that through explaining how bad it hurts. Like, oh my God, I couldn't do this. And now it hurts like that. And so maybe we we do try to suck people into that just by sharing that story. I don't know. I mean, I guess everyone's probably different and the degrees to which we might express that or expect people to do that might be different. But yeah, I feel like the the remedy to all of this is ultimately you just need to know yourself in that now moment. because there might be one day where you are able to fully empathize with someone and really be with them. And there might be another day where that is too much for your system because you're overloaded with your own stuff going on. So I think just moment to moment, we always need to be aware of where am I at and what do I have to give? And this literally goes for anything in a relationship, in whether it's deeply suffering or not, um, even in our friendships with work, our clients, our bosses, you know, we have to really become aware of and take inventory of what do, what am I willing to give? What am I able to give? And what am I receiving? Where am I at? And really just, again, tending to ourselves so that we're not giving from a deficit, which then creates mm-hmm. more suffering inside of us. Mm-hmm. And I think the unconscious belief or like paradigm that contributes so much to this is that basically giving and people pleasing and giving from a deficit makes me morally good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we think we're good people if we suffer in this way, if Mm. we take on the pain. And um, that is just something that I'm constantly having to challenge within myself. And I'm seeing my clients because if we actually introduce the paradigm that you are already good and you do not have to earn goodness through emotional labor or even physical labor, Mm. right? But you actually are able to do things from a full cup, from an alignment with a value, right? An intention. That's what's going to feel good, but you're not going to achieve any sort of human goodness that you don't already have through it. And I think that's almost what I'm seeing like online with a lot of the activism. It's almost like, can I become better if I, you know, fight for these people? And it's not, I'm not saying like, don't do that, course, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm all about it. But this is the craziest thing to say, but like, you don't 
you don't become a better person. Mm. Like you don't become a morally superior person. Um, if anything, a lot of those people who believe they're becoming morally superior people, they put down people who aren't doing it, which then just makes them equally egoic. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> totally. it's just, inter- it's like, you're allowed to be a helpful, it's kind of like you're allowed to go to charity events and like volunteer, but it's like, if you're making people feel bad about not volunteering, then you're not a very good volunteer, right? right. Like you're kind of just doing that for yourself, not for the other people that you're trying to help or volunteer for. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'll never forget listening to this one podcast. It was years ago. And um, this person had said, you know, most people can't do charity or activism without telling other people that they're doing charity and activism. Mm-hmm. And he said the truest acts um, of charity would be to, yeah, help someone in your community or whatever in the world and literally not tell a single soul about it. And I was like, I don't, this is like at the time, right? I was like, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, we've glorified being able to volunteer and use privilege. And those are beautiful things that we should exercise when it's in alignment with our values and we have the energy and proficiency and capability to do. But if you're trying to pull from an empty cup or pour from an empty cup because you think you're going to become a better person through doing that, that's a really interesting thing to examine. Hey, Spiralers, we found something that we could not wait to tell you about. We have got for you some spiritual tea. Actually, it's not tea at all, but (laughs) it is our new favorite meditation app, Superhuman. We're literally obsessed with this. I love it because unlike other meditation apps we've used before, it has meditations you can do as you go about your day, not just when you're sitting or lying down. My favorite are the getting ready ones that are about 20 minutes long with affirmations that you can listen to as you start your morning, or the midday pep talks, which are only two or three minutes long. And they even have specific tracks for moms. Yeah, there's so many options. And I really like how these meditations are aimed at helping you tap into the emotions of what you want to attract. Mm -hmm. They're accompanied with really moving motivational musical tracks. And they're just not boring. They don't just ask you to sit there and try to clear your mind. Instead, I feel like I'm in my own music video and I'm tuning into the frequency of my future self. Yeah, I actually feel like I'm in my own movie when I'm listening to them. I know, me too. Especially when I'm doing the walking ones. There's like Mm -hmm. specific walking ones where Mimi's voice, who actually voices all of the tracks, she's like, and as you walk into your future, (laughs) I literally feel like I'm commanding this energy. And that's the entire point of the meditation is to really tune into a higher frequency. And so with our code, you can try the Superhuman app with one free month in addition to their trial offer of two complimentary weeks. That's six entire free weeks to tune into the frequency of your highest timeline. So abundant. We want you to try it for yourself and let us know what you think because you have absolutely nothing to lose and you can redeem your free six weeks of the Superhuman app now by clicking the link in our show notes and using the code SpiralingHigher with no spaces. We know you're going to love this one and we feel confident that your vibrations are going to spiral higher. Yeah, because even behind that, though, I think the intention matters because sometimes I think it does feel good to share simply because it's such a feel good thing. Like, I love the random acts of kindness. Like, any video that is about that always warms my heart. And I'm always thinking, wow, like, what if that person did decide to not share it because they didn't want it to come across as, like, whoa, look at me doing something good for the world? Uh, So, I don't know. Like, I, I think the intention really matters there, right? If you're doing it because it's going to uplift, other people and it feels good to you to do that. But even that, I don't know, is that laced with ego? I don't know. It totally is, but it's okay. (laughs) You know what? I've I've gotten to a place where it's not helpful for me anymore to try to abolish ego in all situations, right? It's like some amounts of ego are healthy, I've realized, because there was a period of my life where the ego was trying to kill the ego. Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't know that at the time, but I was like, oh, that's just ego. That's just ego. And yeah, a lot of things are ego, but I've realized that in some ways it, it helps me sort of maintain like a semblance of a life because I'm not necessarily prepared to abandon everything in my life and denounce my identity and just live in peace. I don't know if I'm ready for that, you know? Um, and there's a very small percentage of the population who does that, right? You know? monks, whatever. <laughs> but I, I don't feel prepared to do that. So in some ways, I have to maintain slivers of my identity. You know, there's like the identity of me showing up here to record and create helpful content that 
uplifts myself and other people at the same time. If I totally banish the idea that I am the person who shows up on this podcast, then then you know what? Then the actions that follow that may also cease, right? Yeah. So I think it's interesting. I know this conversation went everywhere, but some ego is good. Well, I Random totally acts think of kindness so. are good. Because I think <laughs> I think some of this is necessary for the world to see. Because even the work that we're doing, right? Like we talk about the things that we've done for our clients. We talk about the transformations we've helped people. But like you could also see that that maybe has a thread of ego in it for sure. But it's also it is to help other people as well. So I think, like you said, it's it's not about villainizing the ego or villainizing really any part of us. Um, even if you are noticing that you are doing this comparative suffering or you know, even if you are feeling guilty or you're shaming someone else, like whatever these emotions are, whatever your response is to what's going on, all of that is okay. Like that's just you (laughs) being a human. It's okay. Like we don't need to keep on shooting the next arrow of the next shameful thing that we did or the next thing we should feel guilty about. I think what I'm learning from this week is just once again, that lesson of compassion and curiosity with ourselves and, you know, understanding where we're coming from. and really just bringing it back home to how can I cultivate this unconditional love within me? How can I soothe and, and bring to an end the internal war that's going inside of me? Because that's the only war that I really have control over. So how can I find harmony and peace inside of me and let that be reflected in whatever way it can externally outside of me and in my in my circle, right? And I think that's also empowering me personally. And I feel like a lot of our clients because that is what you can do. That is what you have control over. But so many of us are stuck trying to control something that's completely out of our hands. Um, So I don't know, there's something about going from feeling helpless and hopeless to feeling empowered to, yeah, solving, I guess, the internal war. Mm -hmm. And I think the journey from going from helpless to empowered really is just like you said, it's the awareness of what you have control over. Because if you are trying to control things out of your sphere of control, of course you're going to feel helpless. Yeah. Like, of, of course you're going to feel all over the place. Of course you're going to ignite anxiety, right? But when you actually bring the focus back to, okay, what's within my immediate control? What decisions can I make? What actions can I take? Well, that's the that's the path to empowerment. Yeah, It's realizing that, oh, I have these choices. I have this exercise uh, or this will to exercise these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually one of um, Stephen Covey's habits, one of the seven habits of highly effective people. I think it's like the first one. He's like, highly effective people operate within their locus of control. Yeah. And so most of the world is confused about what exists within that sphere, mm. right? We think it's within our control to manage people's opinions, yeah. um, manage world events in countries that we don't live in, right? Manage the opinions of the people on social media or whatever, or like maybe even like your body. You know, this has been a big one for me. I, I think I've been convinced by media and marketing that I can control what my body looks like through enough healthy eating and workout, mm. working out. And there is like a part of that that's true, right? I'm not saying that you can't attain like a fitter figure by taking some healthy aligned actions. But there's also a level of like just genetics. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, literally, like literally, it's kind of like I there are certain things I can do, but I'm not going to necessarily look like an ideal that I'm seeing in a magazine or online. And so I'm going to feel crazy though, if I think that with enough action that I could, you know, so I have to surrender that there are certain things that I really do not have control over. I do control my actions though. And to make sure that those actions are in alignment with certain personal values. Mm -hmm. And literally it, it stays that if you can keep it that simple, you wouldn't feel that much stress, but I think the human experience is to forget what you have control over, <laughs> yeah. to lose to lose focus, to feel out of balance, to feel off track, to remind yourself again. And that's that's a spiraling higher journey. <laughs> you got to come back every time. Yeah, I always say we forget so that we can remember. <sighs> it's so annoying though. <laughs> I know you hate it, but it's I true. I hate it. It's true. It's that nothing feels better to me than remembering. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to love myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, I can't control that. <laughs> I love coming back to that. I do. I mean, in the moment it is annoying because like, you're like, I already know that, but 
you forgot. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it's time to know it again. I know, but it's more the deeply. Best. Honestly, thinking about my favorite TV shows, I get jealous of people who haven't watched them before because I'm like, you get to watch that for the first time. You know, think about Sex in the City or... One of my favorite shows is Lost. And I'm just like, wow. Or Friends. Like being able to watch that for the first time. But we get to experience that within our own lives. We get to remember these knowings and these teachings and this wisdom like we're remembering it for the first time again because it's a new experience. And so in that way, I don't know, I feel like I get to rewatch my favorite shows through my own life, like for the first time (laughs) through pain and suffering and joy and peace. Yeah. I mean, literally we just... We just forget the worthiness that we already hold so deeply within our own selves since the day that we're born and incarnated. And then we have to be like, oh, yeah, I was already valuable, wasn't I? Right. It's like the constant game of like chasing our own tail and then stopping and being like, let me chase it again. And then being like, oh, it's on me. <laughs> it's like, I, I feel like it's literally like a dog like getting up to do that. It's like, dude, you're not going to catch it. It's on your body. It's on your body. And then they stop and then they're like, okay, you're good now. And then they do it again. It's like, I I, I actually just, <laughs> I just like, had a call. <laughs> I had a call with a client yesterday about, this is such a funny um, mind bending thing, but you'll get it. And I think the people who are listening will get it. But we oftentimes in the spiritual space, if you're into manifestation, you will get to a point eventually in your life, if you haven't already, where you're just like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. Let's just see. I'm gonna let it go. Live my life fuck all the strategies and the techniques. This works, obviously, right? Because you actually experience detachment. You no longer are attached to the expectation or the desire that was birthed by your own mind. You no longer give it focus and attention. And you basically create space and the opportunity for flow and magnetism to occupy your body and Mm -hmm. basically create this vibration of attraction. You're not waiting anymore. You're not waiting. You're just being. And you're very attractive in that state. So then, of course, everyone's experienced this. You start to, like, shit starts happening. Like, things start feeling easier. You're, like, in the flow. You're like, whoa, like, oh, my God. Then your ego's like, wait, we got to make sure we keep this going. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure to do things in order to attain the expectations or desires so that we keep this going. But what's so ironic about it is it's, it's that exact behavior that keeps you from it. Yep. So it's so funny. I I commented on this with a client yesterday. How she's like, no, like I, I'll I'll be feeling good, and I'm like aligned, and like everything's happening. And then I'm like, okay, I got to make sure that like I continue to stay aligned. So let me let me do a few to do lists. Like let, let me like achieve these goals. And it's like, no, 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 no. That is what takes you out of it. Hundred percent. But then what happens is you start doing those like hustly, like out of lack sort of behaviors, right, in order to maintain the thing that you've been able to achieve. And then you start to feel bad, yeah. right? You start you start to feel like not so good. And then you get a little bit crazier and you're like, well, now I got to make sure to do it more mm-hmm. so that I like don't go further down this hole. Like I'm starting to spiral. Oh no, like let's get grippy and do more of the actions that I thought were going to keep me from that. And it's like, no, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing that keeps taking you deeper. Yes. And so it's the funniest thing that you don't have to try and like stay in flow. It's like you just have to be mindful of like when you're getting attached mm-hmm. to even being in flow or like attached to your expectations and outcomes again. It's like not being attached to them is what keeps you in the flow. And it's like, it's so weird. We think we can like get to the flow and the magnetism and the attraction by by like doing that thing, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. But that's what's keeping you from it. I know. That reminds me of like, I don't know if you and I were hanging out and we had a really, really fun day. And I was like, that was really fun. I want to keep it fu- that this fun all the time. We need to do this every day. The exact same thing, the same ice cream shop, the same flavors. I'm going to pick you up the exact same time. Wear the exact same piece of clothing. That would completely ruin our next day. <laughs> right? Like the weather has to be the same. But that's like what we do. And that's why I'm laughing so hard because... I think that I can like essentially recreate the perfect conditions. Yes. It's like, but it's like, no, the conditions were that you didn't need it to be perfect conditions. Yes. And you weren't trying like, to <laughs> get condition any condition met because that's so much more stressful to make sure that everything oh is God. the exact same. And that, like you said, completely takes you out of it because what, what makes <laughs> our dates fun 
is the complete absence of any of that planning or any of the necessity of any external thing. You and I just meet up and we could be in like a dumpster and be like, this is the best day ever. Because this is so fun. <laughs> look at that piece of garbage. Because we'd be <laughs> in the moment. Like what makes that experience so special is you and me, not the things around us. So the same thing with manifestation. What makes it so easy is you just being you. You. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> it's so annoyingly easy and simple. Um, it is. But the integration and practice of it is very difficult. Um, yeah, I think I think principles in nature are like easy to understand, right? But actually practicing them and applying them, whew, that's another story. I mean, that's why we have coaches and therapists and, you know support people and your friends. Like that's why, 100%, right? Because 100%. Yeah, it's very easy to know, completely sto- different story to apply and live by and to embody. Um, but again, that's why we get to forget to remember. That's why. <laughs> it's so funny though. I'm actually laughing because we have done that on some level. So actually I remember our last like um, unfiltered, unplanned sort of hangout. You did say at the end of it, you're like, we need to do this more. Like we like at least like at least you 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 did start to say like at least like twice a month. Like we need to we need to plan. And it's so funny because I it's not that I don't want to plan them. I totally do because they are. Oh my god, we experience so much joy and levity when we hang out in person. And um, but it it really is that like unexpected like oh can you do it today oh I'm actually free today okay let's go and then we like make no plan and like that's what's so oh my god you're magnetic so right about, that's, that's so, so magnetic I about it. literally put it as a a repeated event in my calendar <laughs> <laughs> to remind me to have fun with you again <laughs> wait 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 we got to make sure to create the fun it's again I'm gonna, it's the third Tuesday it's of the month it's yeah. time for us to connect and have fun. <laughs> You know what's so funny? My partner says to me all the time oh that I'm God. that I try to like force connection and conversation. He's like, can he's like, can we just like let the conversation happen organically? Like, why do you have to force me into a talk right now? And it's <laughs> it's me thinking that like, but if I don't force a talk, then we're not gonna talk, and then right. we're not like gonna connect. So I need to. But it's so ironic that me trying to like wedge my way into a conversation is keeping me from the connection that I want. Like, I should just chill yes. and wait for the organic divine connections to take place. Yes. And they do usually, but like, it's, it's so funny. Like we just want to, we're like, no, I have to get it. I have to control it. I have to make sure we have fun. I have to make sure we connect. And it's actually, that is the energy that it's like the most not fun. <laughs> like it's so not fun when you're trying to make it fun. <laughs> totally. But it makes sense why you're trying so hard. It makes sense. It makes sense because like you, you just want that experience so badly, you know, you know how it feels. And so you're trying to recreate it. And I think something that I've learned and I'm still practicing this, but like me trying to recreate anything is always a false start. Like, (laughs) yeah, trying to recreate it is keeping me in the known and the repetition and the lack and the restriction and the limitation. It's giving that up and being like, let's see what else could happen. Like, maybe it won't be fun. I don't know. Mm. Like it's, it's that energy because that's the openness, right? That's the detachment that's going to create the magic. And it always reminds me of when we went to go see Abraham Hicks. Like we literally did not care like what we did while we were in Seattle. We were Mm -hmm. like, we're, we're just here and we're just going to see what happens. It was like this not trying to plan and make it fun. Right, right. Right. We really just kind of rolled like each hour into the next. Well, I mean, I think it's because in that instance, you're leaving room for the universe and for source to fill in the blanks instead of you filling them all in yourself. It's like passing somebody a Mad Libs book, but you've already filled it all out. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, did I do it right? Did you like it? Is it it good? funny? Did you think it was funny? (laughs) But you know what? It's like the fun was me letting it... Me getting to figure it out. Totally. (laughs) And seeing what your version of it would look like, right? But I think this almost brings us back to the beginning of this conversation of like comparing, right? The only reason why you would want to recreate something to be the exact same is because you're comparing it to other experiences or even what you're experiencing right now. It's like, well, I don't feel as happy as I did last week. So let me try to recreate that so I can have that now. But that's not, that's just not how you find it. And it's so annoying. I'm sorry, listeners, spiralers. <laughs> it's so annoying. I do it all the time. Like I literally do it all the time. Like I I will find a past experience within the record keeping part of my mind and be like, what were those conditions? I'll just recreate those exactly and then 
yes, I will formulaically <laughs> create the experience that I want. But it's like, that wasn't what created that experience, right? So it's so funny. Like, it's so funny. It's like exactly what you said. It's like, okay, Tuesday and this same outfit yeah. and this time and we'll go to the same park. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, no. It's almost always a letdown when that happens though, right? Like, I mean, if you it, and it I always were to try to recreate the Abraham one, they were coming back to Seattle and... <laughs> It would actually take us so out of it to try to recreate the exact same experience. And actually, even with the retreat that we have coming up, you know, we've been talking a lot about our past retreat and there are a lot of similarities, but um, what's been helpful for me is to actually really root into the differences because I don't know, sometimes, sometimes if it looks the same, feels the same, it's like you just assume it's going to feel the same as before, good or bad, right? Which I think, again, it's just expectations all around. It's expectations. And I just had this literal epiphany right now that that's why we're obsessed with tradition, mm, right? That like, makes I think so about, much sense. Yeah, like think about how many families like at Christmas get like really just not, I don't even know what word to use. I guess like fixated, like really fixated on like making sure that it's like the same order always. It's like, so we always watch this movie on like this day and we always have this kind of meal. And then it gets to be where it's a bit like, can we like do something different? And then it's like, there's like, I, I swear there's a movie about this, but the mom's like, no, we can't. This is how, this is the, this is the Smith family tradition. Right. And we've done this for 30 years. And it's like this crazy egoic fixation and like concern and control around like making sure that like Christmas is like gonna be good. But it's like, let Christmas just be Christmas. Like it will be good if you mm. stop trying to make it good. Like, right. And just let it so be funny. what it is. I mean, I definitely <laughs> am someone that likes traditions, traditions for sure. Like we do watch a certain movie <laughs> at Christmas time <laughs> and I always get matching pajamas. And I don't know, like there are certain traditions that that I do really love to hold on to. However, it's also beautiful to, again, leave room for the universe to fill in the blanks, right? I mean... Going back to my mother-in-law passing away, I mean, she used to host all of our events, all of our dinners. Every mm. single dinner I've had with my husband's family for the past almost 20 years have been at her house. Whether it's birthday dinner, regular dinner, Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving, doesn't matter. It's always been there. And so for our first few holidays to not be, not only with her, but not in that home, have been really hard. But then again, it's like, I want to root into the joy that we were able to experience and the knowing that those experiences are ingrained and have changed me on a cellular level now. And then I'm, I still have those memories. I still have that experience. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, let's make create room for what else can come through, you know? And I think even in that, there is guilt too. It's like, well, how can we... I remember Emmeline said this. She, she just said she doesn't ever think it'll ever feel the same. Like, how can we continue on? Like when that main person like isn't there anymore. And Mm. so it can feel really hard, even again, going back to the collective suffering to just go on about your regular life. But but again, the gift is right there. The -hmm. gift is in that new experience. It's in us experiencing joy with the duality of experiencing pain and suffering. I think that's one of the biggest lessons that actually has been coming up a lot in our coaching calls with the unlayer itself, the duality that you can hold grief and joy at the same time, that you can feel guilt and excitement for something at the same time. You know, you don't have to pick one or the other. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways I want to leave our listeners with is how can you hold space for both? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the both, the the yes and, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of the either or. And I think that's what spirituality definitely asks of me a lot. Um, And I was wrong in the earlier parts of my journey where, and I think most people do this, they're like, oh, spirituality is love and light. It's like, no, spirituality is integrating the dark. It's putting the light to the dark and including it. And I can't help but always think of that yin and yang symbol, which is just, it's perfect. It's literally perfect. It's perfect, yes. It's perfect. It's the perfect circle with the two halves and the little black dot in the white part mm-hmm. and the white dot in the black part. They were so on it back then. But there is an ancient wisdom and um, truth to this reality, which is that there's room for both. And um, yeah, so how can you invite yourself to hold 
pain, mm. but also joy, um, shock, and also surprise. Yeah. Right. You know, there's so many different experiences, experiences that can be held at the same time. And I think we really, we really limit ourselves when we say we can only be this or that, mm. or good or bad. You know, there's, I like the gray area, I'm realizing. Yeah. Yes, to the gray area. I love it. Like mixing all the colors of emotions (laughs) together. And I don't know. I also just think, you know, seeing my mother-in-law go through what she went through and um, I don't know, when she left us, I could just see so much love, like all the love that she was leaving behind. Yes, it was one of the most painful things we've ever experienced, but to be able to see the love. So even in this crazy war that's going on and all the all of the battles even online that are happening just all of that the darkness but look at all the lightness that it's also bringing right looking look at all these mm. people that are coming together for the collective you know effort to amplify the voices that need to be heard you know like there is so much beauty even behind all of this chaos and so choosing to be able to, again, see that the both in that, see the duality in that, I think can be really helpful. And I'm also going to revisit the concept of titration, which is mm. literally taking all of this stuff in sips. Again, honoring yourself. How much can I take and sip in today? It's okay if today you want to take a complete break from all of that and just focus on getting ice cream with your friend. Go for it, right? Like That's okay. Do what feels right to your system. And you can really play around with around with that. Like in my sessions with my clients, we often have this like volume dial um, with whatever they're experiencing and playing around with the energetics of that of, can I turn up the volume? What does that feel like to turn up the volume of this pain inside of me? Which can feel very easy for us to access to like turn it up. But then you also get to experiment with like, what would happen if I turn this dial down? And you can actually feel the physical change in your body shifting down. And so just invitation Mm -hmm. to play around with that within yourself as well, because it's a lot. And I just really want everyone to hear, you know, us acknowledge that this is a lot on top of what you're experiencing in your own lives too. So just be gentle with yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Stop compare, Stop comparing your suffering yes. to other people or even like previous suffering that you've been through. Like, oh, mm. it's not as bad as, it, why, bad as I was last year or whatever. Just if you are suffering, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing you can do to alleviate the collective suffering. And we love you and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like-minded people on their healing journey. Here's to Spiraling Higher. Thank you.